Hello and welcome to Real Matters of the Heart, the podcast where we say that life is all about chances and you can control how many you take, but not how many you get. My name is Joy and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us. Today I have with me one of my lifers, one of the people that I just know I'm going to be around forever and he's, he's stuck with me. You stuck with me. That's it. That's all. <laughs> I want to give a, a short little testimony. I was just about to open the studio. So that was, gosh, over two years ago. Dang. Okay. So I was just getting ready to open the fitness studio, Eat, Sleep, Sweat. And uh, our friend called and said, oh, we were ta- chatting. And he said, oh, by the way, I have a friend. He's looking for a trainer. I gave him your number. He's probably going to call you. And I said, all right, cool. Unbeknownst to him, I was having like super financial struggles. I was like, I don't know what's getting ready to happen. I might be grand opening, grand closing with this studio. And, um, you know, but trusting God as usual. And so about 20 minutes after our friend said, hey, he's going to call. I got a call from Tyree. We started chatting. He kind of told me what he wanted to do. And I was right on board. And whatever it was I said to him, he was completely sold. And he ultimately ended up saying to me that he wanted to commit to three months of training, three days a week. And he wanted to pay me up front because he was getting ready to leave his job. And he was like, I'm going to pay you while I got it. And I was just like, <laughs> I could not get my calculator out fast enough. And I looked at what that was going to be. And then I was nervous because I was like, okay, well, I'm going to tell him this price. And he's going to be like, never mind. And I said it. And he was like, cool, you take PayPal? Or what? And I was just like, come on, God, work it on out now. And this was literally like the day, I want to say like the day before rent was due. And the money was in my PayPal by the end of the day. And rent was paid, and God is good. And I eventually shared that story with him when we became friends. And, you know, it was just, again, confirmation of how God just will show up right on time. So I just wanted to share that story and um, say that I'm blessed to know you. I'm thankful that you are here with me today. I know we're going to have an awesome conversation. We didn't already been talking, y'all. So we already kind of like halfway through the conversation. Y'all going to just join on in where we are. So, um, again, thank you so much for having us, Tari. Yeah, thank for, you. For, no, you, I'm, I'm having you. Yeah, you. <laughs> thank you for me. Yeah, I mean, okay, we're not going. No, that's good. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, all thank right, you. let's start from there. <laughs> um, just about that, about that piece, um, at that time when I decided, you know, let's, I want to do this, I'm looking for someone, I'm not just looking for anyone to train me. I really believe in divine appointment. So I really believe that's kind of what that was. For sure. And I was looking for someone that was committed to my process mm-hmm. of what I was working towards. It became more and more clear mm-hmm. to me that it was less about what I'm doing physically, you know, right. working out, but spiritually what well, it began to be a spiritual kind of workout process with you. Mm-hmm. And so that was the journey and I and through you and through working out and through your business, I found someone that can be committed to my process. Because I lost a lot of people in that process. Those people are not no longer my friends, no longer, you know, even like people that I see on yeah. every now and again. And so, like eternally, just grateful oh. to have you in my life. So thank you very much. Yeah, for, for you back continually back. choose to be. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And that's important. Oh, that's so important that you say that who I continue to choose to be because it is absolutely a choice every single day, multiple times a day. This is something we touched on earlier in our conversation and I think it's important and relevant. My God, the choice. There are so many times along this process and I'm sure you can attest to it where you can choose to be something else. Mm-hmm. And then there are times 
when I wanted to choose to be something else because it just seemed easier. Yeah. And when I say something else, I mean, do I really want to work for myself? Can I just go get a job somewhere else and make whatever money and be have it be consistent and less stressful and whatever else? But that wouldn't be my purpose. Like the work that you speak of that I get to do spiritually with my clients, I don't get to do that if I work for you know a franchise facility somewhere or if I'm, I have a boss who's telling me this is how you train, this is how it gets done, this is our company policy. You know, you don't get to Im impose or enforce or, or project your own beliefs onto them or whatever that is. And I don't feel like I do that until I know that it's confirmed that it's time for me to do that. And I, and I know and I'm starting to submit even more to the fact that no one comes to me unless that's what it is about. And it's through their search for fitness or whatever that they're led here. But it's always a, something deeper than that. But I thank you for saying and acknowledging that it's a choice that I'm making because there are times when I want to choose otherwise. When I want to say, you know, flip the desk, throw my hands up and just say, no, I'm done. It's too hard. I don't want it. I want to be regular. I want to be off at five like other people. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be in control. I don't want to have all the decisions to make. I don't want the, the legacy to hinge upon me. It's a lot and it can be overwhelming, but I also know that it's exactly who I'm called to be and what I'm called to do. So it's so incredibly gratifying to, to affirm that and say, no, I see you making a choice to be that and I appreciate your obedience and I appreciate your submitting to your call in life and I appreciate your willingness to pour in because it's definitely reciprocal. Like mute, I believe in mutually beneficial relationships and beyond the client trainer thing that we started with, there's so much more. It's, it's grown into so much more and, and um, we can go back and forth appreciating each other all day. <laughs> but um, I do thank you for saying that. So I wanna jump into <laughs> what we already been jumped into, okay? Um, so Tyree walked in today with a book called, what is it called? The Four Things That All Women Want. The Four Things That All Women Want by A.R. Bernard. A.R. Bernard. I don't want this conversation to be influenced as much by the book. I do want you to talk about it and I do want you to talk about what you're getting from the book as you're in the midst of reading it. But we have a lot already to say and I think that I want this conversation to be much more authentically a reflection of who we are as opposed to something that we're kind of getting from an outside source at the moment which of course we both value other opinions and perspectives and you know all of that but um i want this to just be tyree and joy today talking about what we know yeah. right yeah. and so tell me about this because of course i saw the title and i'm like okay we got this brother in here reading the four things all women want to know or want from a man yeah want from all the four things all women want from a man. Like, how you going? He didn't interview me, so you can't say all. He don't know what I want. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, but go ahead. So let's, let's, can you brush across, like, just, first of all, what attracted you to want to read that book? Yeah, so someone I'm dating currently sent me the link mm -hmm. and was like, you have to watch this. Stop what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I just I just heard this man speak about relationships and now that's like and it was been raining true for things that I've experienced in dating mm -hmm. but then also um, looking at the the relationships that I've had uh, opportunity to see mm -hmm. so meaning my my mom my grandmother's mm -hmm. relationship like 
you know, all of the relationships. I was raised by women, but mm-hmm. seeing all the men just fall to the wayside mm-hmm. and just really not seeing from my from my family one healthy relationship. <laughs> right. Right? right. Not, not one. Yeah. Whether they're married or not. Right. Just like seeing just these terrible things. And so that has impacted me like hugely. Huge, man. Hugely. Yeah. Hugely. And and so I, I'm aware of how me seeing those things as, as, a, as a child growing up, I'm first aware that I made some rules uh, based on what I saw. Right. I said, I don't want that. Right. So I know that that has impacted me, but I'm also aware that I made some rules and some beliefs when I was a child, mm-hmm. less informed about life and and the world mm-hmm. and, and less informed about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I can choose now from a different space. Yeah. And so in, in choosing from a different space, I want to have an informed perspective from someone that has been able to do it successfully, mm-hmm. you know, but then not have a skewed view of what successful looks like. Yeah, because that's, that's part of the conversation we were having earlier, and I'll bring you guys in on it, is that I struggle so much with this relationship talk because a lot of times in our culture, in our society, it comes across like a rule book, like here are the five steps to a successful relationship. And I just feel like it's important for us to understand that the dynamics can be and usually are so widely varying from situation to situation that if we say, you know, well, don't do this and do that, how you need to be able to cook or how you need to be able to do sex or how or whatever, all these different things. And so it makes us feel like we have to fit into this mode, women, I think, particularly into this mode of like, to create a successful relationship without, and I think the key thing that you said, without acknowledging or examining who we are. So how much of what the rules are telling me I need to do is a true and accurate and authentic reflection of who I am. And if I'm working so hard to fit into this mold to get this relationship that you're telling me I need, because there are plenty of people who don't want it. So let's start there too, with where we place the value of relationships and how a lot of people say like, if you don't have one, you ain't worth whatever. But if you do desire that and you're trying to fit into these modes that they're telling you you have to fit and follow these rules that they're telling you you have to, to follow and none of it really matches who you are, then are you attracting somebody who's really going to serve you as a partner because you're not showing up as who you are to allow them to see what it is you actually need from them, what they need to bring and if they can bring that themselves. Because now if I'm trying to fit into rules and you trying to fit into rules and we both trying to fit into this kind of cookie cutter perspective or picture of what we think it's supposed to be, who's really getting what they actually need? And so I I love that you said you began to create rules for yourself based on these relationships that you saw in your family before you even knew who you were. Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge piece that people don't deal with. Like who am I and what kind of stuff do I have going on? while I'm trying to fit into whatever you got going on. Yeah. That's... Yeah, a lot of times when I'm when I'm coaching people, so I coach in a leadership program, and, and um, when I coach people, one of my main things, or even if I'm doing trainings when I'm speaking, it's I really emphasize on it's so important to locate yourself. It's so important to locate yourself. Like, where are you at in the midst of everything that's happening around you? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your come from? 
mm-hmm. really analyzing the heart behind what your actions, decisions, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really just being an expert in who you are. And do you know how hard that is? It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of I mean, work. okay, so I know you've done this work. Yeah. We know I've done this work. Yeah. We, yeah. you and I, <laughs> we have, mm-hmm. I've done the joy work, you've done the Tyree work. Right. And... Not to say that either of us are finished either. Let me be clear about that. We are, I should say, I am doing the joy work and you are doing the tiring yes. work. And up until this point, it's only been a couple of years for me that I've consciously been saying, okay, joy, what you got going on? Where's that coming from? Why are you choosing that? Why are you feeling that? Why are you, you know, saying that or whatever? I, and I do that multiple times a day as I feel what I feel and experience what I experience. I examine like, what's the root of that? And uh, it was incredibly painful in the beginning. Like, to the point of tears, oftentimes. I mean, still sometimes today, but like in the beginning, those those first few months of like making the conscious decision to examine my stuff, I was crying like every day. Mm-hmm. Like what, how much of all this that I've been going through that I've been hating and not wanting has been because of my own me? Mm-hmm. Man. And like, because I know that work is hard, I also know that that means a lot of people just are not going to do it. It's a lot easier to be the victim. It's a lot easier for me to point the finger at you and blame you and say you should have done what you could have done and, you know, whatever other thing that is, because we know to, to whom much is given, much is required. And so when you play the victim, you give away your power. And when, if you don't have power, then you don't have responsibility. So then whatever continues to happen to you, you don't have to own it. And so then what also happens though, as a result of that, typically when it comes to relationships is then you become this person of, I am giving away my power to do anything about my life because I don't want to have to be responsible for doing anything about my life. I want to keep playing the victim. So then you're going to attract the person who wants to be the fixer. Mm And the fixer has their own issues, but if they're so busy fixing you, then they can't fix them. And so now you continue to create and enter into these very codependent, volatile relationships because you don't want to deal with yourself and you make it somebody else's responsibility and they don't want to deal with their stuff. So they're taking on your responsibility to fix you and you ain't fixing you and they ain't fixing them. And you just got two broken people who going back and forth until eventually the fixer can't fix no more and they gone. And your whole story about whatever they are is validated. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, how I see it um, visually is if I got you know two cups mm-hmm. and they're both half full, mm-hmm. what those relationships that you just described look like is I'm pouring here mm-hmm. and now I'm empty. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I might pour back, mm-hmm. but now I'm empty. Right. Or I'm not, and, and it's two Incomplete mm, people, yeah, looking to be fulfilled by each other, by the other person, but giving them a role or, or expecting them to do something that they have no ability to be. It's not their responsibility. Come on, so <laughs> that ain't my job. It's setting them up. <laughs> so the relationship is set up to fail. Right, right. I think we know that, and I think it's becoming more, it's pushed, being pushed more to the forefront of the conversation in terms of being whole and the self care conversation and. You know, all of these pieces, I think, are individually coming to the forefront, but we need to see how it all kind of comes together. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, knowing is one thing, right. but being willing is another. Right. It's like one thing to acknowledge, oh, yeah, I got some, mm-hmm. some stuff. Mm-hmm. 
But it's another to say, okay, but I want to deal with it. So it's acknowledge that you have stuff, accept that it really is your stuff to deal with. It ain't somebody else's responsibility to deal with your stuff. And then address it. What am I going to do about this stuff? Acknowledge, accept, address. Yeah. I, to that to that point, that that's a process, right? Mm-hmm. To get to that point. Yeah. You know, because, yeah the willingness and, and having awareness that hey I'm I'm not full right and I'm in this relationship and I'm depleting myself mm-hmm. and it's getting to one being around people that can reframe that that, that personal narrative for you mm-hmm. you know to add perspective to mm-hmm. the, the experiences that are very real <laughs> those feelings that are very real yeah. right so and, and then really Connecting with someone from a community that, you know, I want to say have, you need, we all need to have an informed community mm-hmm. on the thing that we're we're up against, mm-hmm. that we're fighting against, right? Um, because if you can't see what's on the what's the end result the of, of going through all of that pain, all of the right. stuff, then it's kind of like, yo, I I don't do even it for know what? if it's worth do it I don't for know what? If it's worth it. yeah. Yeah, dig all this up to do what with it? Right. Mm -hmm. But if we can say, I feel incomplete, and someone says, I know what that feels like. I've been there. Mm -hmm. But this is what's available for you on the other side. Mm -hmm. Or someone that can teach you that says, this relationship will never work. It's unhealthy. You're depleting yourself. Mm -hmm. And anyway, no one's supposed to be in your cup. Nobody's supposed to be. Okay, this is my cup. This This. is this is my cup. You don't worry about what's supposed to be tipping over to anyone. Right. Right. You only give from people from your overflow, and that's it. Hello. Okay. Say it one more time. You only. You only give people from your overflow. Because I just had this conversation, so you get to get out of my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You get to get out of my mind. I literally just told somebody like, you cannot give what you don't have. Mm -hmm. So if you're constantly in your reserve tank. Trying to give, trying to give, trying to give. Your car is going to do what? Run on fumes? No. You cannot give what you don't have. You have to start from a place of fullness, wholeness, completeness. However, whatever word you want to use, you have to be straight with you. And I think, and I can speak particularly for women and especially black women, we are made to feel guilty about doing what we need to do. And particularly when you talk about becoming a wife and or a mother, and you have these other obligations, responsibilities, roles that you have to play, not at all diminishing or downplaying them or minimizing them or saying that they don't deserve whatever amount of attention and, and, and investment they do deserve. Absolutely. But again, you can't get what you don't have. And so I think when we get into relationships, we begin to put on this coat that says, now I get to become all these things that I perceive you need from me. Um, and again, it goes back to, you know, we got to be able to cook like this and have sex like this and show up like this and, you know, whatever. I want you to be smart and independent and have your own and do this, da, 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 da. whatever it is that we're being told is attractive to our potential suitors out there we we begin to put on this coat that says i gotta be all of these things in our attempts to be all of those things it takes away from any energy or any uh moment we have to look at us and say okay well what do i need me to be after i've after i'm done really before i'm 
starting to do all these things for you, what do I need me to be? And there's so much guilt to attach to that for us because we always have the big mama role. Her big mama dies and the whole family is in disarray because she was the one holding together and none of y'all know how to act with your grown asses because you was waiting on big mama to take care of it. You know what I'm saying? And so now it's like big mama gone and we acting a fool. And so now it's almost like you are like, okay, who's the next big mama? Because if it ain't for her, we gonna be stuck. Right. You, you begin to wear that as a badge of honor to be the next big mama. Right. The one that's responsible for holding it all together for everyone. So, but with that, then that's what killed Big Mama. Because yeah. she dealing with your grown ass problems. Yeah. Take care of you so Big Mama can get, Big Mama need love too. Right, right. Wow, that, that is home in a major way right now. Oh, yeah. Um, for me, my grandmother is 78. Mm-hmm. She was just in the hospital uh, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm always running around, doing, you know, traveling, speaking, doing all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. And, uh, I went to go visit her in the hospital, of course. Mm-hmm. It's my grandmother. I used to live with my grandmother mm-hmm. when I was a child and all that kind of stuff. So we're really close. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of, how we, I kind of surprised her. I didn't tell her that I was going to be there. Mm-hmm. So I went there with my mom and my aunt. And so I kind of hid behind her. <laughs> and then when she saw me, she just started crying. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, oh, Granny, don't, don't cry. <laughs> don't cry. I, I hugged her and and everything. She's like, it's, seeing you is like, you know, Christmas happening. Right. You know? Oh, like, man. And so, anyway, we were getting ready to leave. And she says to my mom and my aunt, just give me five minutes. I need to speak to my grandson. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting on the hospital bed. She says, sit next to me. And she pats the bed and, you know, where she wants <laughs> to sit. I said, okay. <laughs> this so is about I to get trail, Granny. Yeah, I, I just okay. I just knew it was about she had the look. You know mamas have looks. <laughs> yeah, they do. And so she she gave me this look. I knew it was about to be real. So I took a deep breath and, and sat next to her and uh she was like, you know, I'm tired. Mm. I'm tired. Yeah. To the point she was ready to, you know, just wash over with the way with the family, just so much stuff like her heart has been grieved mm. and so she says to me you know uh, you know family doesn't listen to me anymore mm. and she loves all of us of so much and i mean she and she's willing story. to give what she ain't got right for y'all and she has man. and it's a lot of people who are willing to take what she ain't got mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah yeah and so what she says to me and, you know, I noticed that, you know, all of the cousins and, you know, even even my daughters, your aunts, mm-hmm. like, they listen to you. Mm-hmm. She pauses with this look. Ooh. She has this real deep pause, and sometimes silence is loud, right? Mm-hmm. And she says to me, after saying, I noticed that they, you have their ear. Mm-hmm. Pauses and then says, so when are you going to speak? Mm. And now, you know, my mom's sitting there and they just kind of like tired and I don't even know if they really understand what she's telling mm-hmm. me. And it was interesting because everything that she said in that moment confirmed everything that was in my heart mm-hmm. about my place in the family and mm-hmm. all the work that I've been doing and everything, all the struggle that I've been doing, the like that internal struggle, mm-hmm. that fight to you know, get through my stuff and 
mm. all of that kind of stuff. It, it it just was confirmation all in that moment. Right. Like I I knew. It, so it she was passing just, you the baton in some ways, and so you I mean, well, you're not gonna be big mama, obviously. Right. But, but you're gonna be big daddy, I guess. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, and that's what she said. She said somebody got to take up my mantle. It's true. It's true. And wow. so I began to sit with it. My mind was blown because right now, is this is the first time since I've been alive, mm-hmm. since I've been alive, and in my family, that our family unit mm-hmm. will be led by a man. Wow. The first time. Wow. Like, we've met men come through. Right. <laughs> you come, know. come through. All right, right you good? Okay. Your season's up? All yep. right, now. <laughs> it's been It's been good. Right. <laughs> You yeah. know, and, and just people just around, but but um, but not active in any way. Right. Not active in any way in the kids' lives and all that kind of stuff. Right. So um, there's been a huge shift for me mm-hmm. after that in my family. So my place in it. now let me ask you this, because I'm going into a, there's a, my mind went a lot of places in hearing that. <laughs> First place is prayer for your strength. Um, but the second place is, and I, and if I know you, I know you heard this, but just to confirm or reiterate, um, hear that she's tired and hear that she's tired because of how she chose to take up the role of being big mama or the matriarch of the family. And that even as she calls you to be her successor in a number of ways, you get to look at her process and the choices that she made and allowing herself to get to the place where she pour out in that way and say, if I'm going to be the leader of this and if I'm going to be the head of this family, I get to not do it to the place where I end up the one in the hospital bed because I want to lead in a way that's going to make them great, but that's not going to strip me of all of who I'm supposed to be because you are a young man and because if you read in this book about whatever the women want it means to me that you care enough for whoever your future wife will be and her her needs and whatever children you guys may have and all of those things right and so in thinking about whatever role you may have in the larger picture of your family what that's going to mean about how you get to show up for your you know nuclear family and how you get to balance the priority of being the head of the household there, but then also the bigger picture, you know, patriarch of the family and whatever that looks like. And because you will be the trailblazer, because it will not have been something that you have learned from a man that came before you. And so you get to kind of create this new context. You now have an opportunity to create a context for what it means to have a head of family and how y'all are about to get in line in a whole different kind of way that you haven't been before. Because she poured of herself into the hospital and I'm not getting ready to do that right right and she at whatever point she took over that role of the family may have been beyond her you know years of being in a relationship and having the children doing all that like you're going to be entering that place at a very young stage of your life Mm -hmm. and at a stage of your life where all that's going to be a priority whereas it may have been being in the past for her and she had maybe the time and the energy or so she thought to invest in her family in a certain way, mm-hmm. you won't necessarily have that luxury because right. you'll be trying to manage your own and steal your career and everything else that you have going for you. Mm-hmm. So like, 
like I said, I'm sure in the midst of whatever conversations you've had in your with yourself since she said that to you, this has come up. But I just think it's important when you are getting ready to walk into a new season that you are very intentional about how you frame that and you are very clear about how you've been informed about that because you've seen the example of her. And it is, it will be easy for you to be like, well, what would Big Mama do? And it's like, well, okay, what would Big Mama do? Or what would Granny do? And then, is that what I want to do? Is that is that part of why she ended up so tired? What would she do? Because I admire and I and I value her input and, and the things that she did to mold and shape the family. But then, is what she did a part of what made her so tired? And do I want to do that and end up in that same way? Or do I get to change the dynamic and shift the context? And You know what I mean? So it becomes yeah. like this whole conversation right. of how you're going to approach yeah. this new thing. And then how is that going to inform you as a man who does want a wife and children? Yeah. Um just a lot. So, <laughs> I'm coming into it with trust. Mm -hmm. Trusting in what God has given me mm -hmm. and what um, just my life's journey, what I've learned mm -hmm. uh, about what works and what doesn't work for me and mm -hmm. what works and doesn't work with dealing with people. I have special relationships with everyone in my family. One of the things that I do is listen to people and then be able to communicate at a level that connects to the level to match to where they can hear yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Cuz I'm not I'm I don't argue. Right. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to talk to you. We're not getting ready to do right. this back and forth thing. No. Okay. I I won't do that. I heard that. And so and so speaking to where they're at. Mhm. Mm but not in a way that's condescending Absolutely. or anything like that. Speaking the language they understand. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking the language they understand to to create something though. Right. Of course. What drives my decision is my vision for my family. Mm -hmm. I'm clear about that. Yeah. About who we who we get to be as a family. Yeah. And so creating space to be together and seeing okay these two bumper heads over here. So mm -hmm. talking to people individually and then saying okay, so. How can we work this out? Right. And then, and then really learning from my mom and my grandmother specifically, I don't believe in self-sacrifice. And I know, <laughs> I know some of your listeners are like, what? <laughs> no, and but it was crazy. I'm glad you said that in that moment because as I heard you talking, I heard you saying all these things that all the vision that you have for your family and you know, the clarity that you have about where there can be improvements and so I heard you saying all those things and in my mind I'm thinking okay let me wait till he gets to the part where he says he has carved out space to continue his own work and in the midst of being all these things for all these people and helping them be these things for themselves by speaking to them in a way that helps them to see whatever things they may have been blinded from for whatever reason I'm also going to be doing XYZ for me and that was what I was waiting for you so I'm happy to hear you say that and, and, I, and for the people who don't get it they will. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I know you, I, there's somebody listening like... <laughs> like what? Because that's our he culture. He must not have kids. He right, right, kids. exactly. <laughs> but that's, but that is that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so much of our culture tells us that if we do for self, we're selfish, we're wrong, we should be made to feel guilty or shameful. How dare you, you know, put yourself above others. And it's, the thing is, what I say all the time is, you have to start with loving yourself, not to the detriment of others, but for their benefit like you they want what's 
best of you, not what's left of you. Like, oh, well, I'm ripped to shreds. Right. And so, no, like I have to invest in me if you want me to show yeah. up for you in a way that's gonna benefit you. Like I right. gotta invest in me. I need this time. I need this, whatever this thing is that's making me better. Whether it's this time with this group of friends over here who's gonna pour into me, who's gonna minister to me, who's gonna right. pray with and for me, or whatever that looks like for you, right. like you gotta value that. It's gonna be your responsibility to make them value it. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite songs is, um my favorite things by John Coltrane and I just kind of have this in my mind when I think about my future life and whatever things are calling me to go in all these different direct directions because like you I'm all over the place and I kind of I feel like that's gonna be my signal to the world that you don't get to bother me like if you come up to my door and you hear this song playing don't knock don't jingle the doorbell or none of that like you hear that song and that's my signal to the world that this is joy time and you get to back off and I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> and looking forward to being able to have a life that caused me to do so many things that I'm so passionate about, but that I also want to be my best self for. And I'm excited to be able to say, here's me preparing myself to be great, to come and do whatever it is you're getting ready to ask me to do. As your wife, as your mom, as your business person, as your speaker, as your author, as your well, whoever it is I'm getting ready to come and be and you come to knock on my door and tell me it's time to come and be, let me just get this last little couple bars in this John Gone train in here yeah. before before you need me to come and be that. Because I'm excited to come and be that, but I got to get to me for just a moment. And I, I just, that's so huge. I'm so happy to hear you say that you like have that mind already. Yeah. God, that makes me happy because... You are, I told you, you stuck with me. And it's going to be times I'm going to need Tyree. And I'm going to be like, I don't care about your cousins. <laughs> right now, I need you to be fully Tyree. The Tyree right. that we've been, I need you to be him mm-hmm. for me right now. And them cousins going to have to just wait. Right. <laughs> uh, you know I'm here. As we have jumped all over the place. But I do want to get back to the book that you're reading. I know you're not done with it. Tell me one thing that if you're like, yo this book read it because yeah so automatically i'm like what are these four things yeah <laughs> he was like these are the four things that women want these are the four things that god wants mm. and when he revealed it i was like this is what i want for me right right and so um that was the, the first thing that that like was like the draw but how he was able to like just unpack some of the issues that uh, we face as a man mm-hmm. and how and, and just this whole dynamic of how we see women and our relationships with women so if you're a husband it challenges you to be a better husband for your wife mm-hmm. um, boyfriend for your girlfriend mm-hmm. brother to your sister mm. and so on and so forth so it's all the male female dynamics it's not just dealing in the romantic context correct now you mentioned that he said something about what the women want God wants, and then you, for you, it connected to what you want. Right. Did you see any major discrepancies, like, in terms of your experiences, how you may have interpreted your experiences, and then you going, well, I, that, I got that all wrong. That's what was going on. No. Um, I'm trying to think of all the four things off the top of my head, because I always forget one. He, he talks about maturity, decisiveness, consistency, and strength. Hmm. So, off top, I'm like, yeah. I'm talking about church finger. I can go on home. That's it. <laughs> and so, yes. 
And so even with that, he's talking about the patterns that we have in relationships, mm-hmm. uh, principles, things that are guiding our relationships, and and the reason behind the behaviors. Mm-hmm. Because we're acting out because of something else is going on internally. Something Get else to the root is really going on um, in, in, inside of us. Mm-hmm. Which so is informed by up. yeah, which is informed by what you said earlier. Those decisions and those stories that we told ourselves back from whatever examples we had right. in our formative mm-hmm. years before we even realized they were shaping how we would approach life later down the line. And to add to that, whoever. We're hanging around as men. Mm. So I, I, I just kind of have this thing. I'm just going to give it a name right now. The homeboy theory. Okay. Just gonna just made it. that up on the spot. You heard on it here spot. first. Right here. The <laughs> homeboy so, theory. Yes. I don't know. Uh, when I was growing up, like mainly like high school and college, I could do something that was disrespectful to a woman. And there's somebody that's going to amen that mm-hmm. or rebuke it, right? Mm-hmm. There's someone that's going to be like, okay, and zap me up mm-hmm. because of what I did or like, dude, you wrong. So accountability. So accountability, but, yeah. but through our community though, right? who mm-hmm. I'm hanging around is going to hold me up to mm-hmm. a higher standard of what a man looks like right? and especially in my relationship to the woman that I'm with, you know, that's major for how we show up as men. And I think that is one huge thing that we're missing in our male relationships, our male to male relationships. Uh-huh. Is that accountability piece that, and I think a large part of that is shaped again by the culture. I call it a conversation. It happened on Facebook. I don't, I mean, welcome to 2016. Conversations happen on the internet. Right. So, um, but it was a thing, somebody posted, whoever it was, I commented, and the thing was, if you go to the grocery store, and I would like for you all to do this next time you go to the grocery store, and you see the magazines, and you look at the magazines that are clearly targeting women, and the magazines that are clearly targeting men, and oftentimes on the magazines that are clearly targeting women, you'll see cover stories like 101 sex positions, or how to keep a man happy, or how to please your man, or you know, whatever these things are. And, it, and, and a large part of the dialogue around relationships for women is fix ourselves to make ourselves, you know, um, attractive to or available for a man. And then you look at the men's magazines and it's a lot of times about, you know, money or technology or things like that. And because a large part of the conversation that is geared towards men with regard to making them attractive is a lot of times their success which we in this culture gauge through financial gain and material assets you um, may be able to acquire and so part of that too is like that manly man confidence of like I can you know pull anybody whatever type of thing and so you begin to gauge yourself and other men begin to gauge you by the company you keep in terms of your romantic whatever and then how frequently you overturn that and can you outdo the last one who had whatever size waist and whatever size butt and whatever the whatever the thing is that's praising your community community so it is a it's a culture thing that begins like how do I or how do you I guess I should ask as a man say well that's not what I'm trying to do anymore you know what I mean? And then, of course, it becomes up to you to say, and because it's not what I'm trying to do, I'm going to find a group of men who are about that marriage life, who are about that commitment life, who are about that being loyal and treat, and, and honoring and treating this woman with respect 
life and who are going to celebrate and encourage and promote that. You have to choose to go find that circle. But there's so much that tells us otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what it is that you want. If you don't want STDs and broken <laughs> windows, your windows being busted right, out, right. Or, or, you know, people like tripping, throwing stilettos at you and things like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you don't want to deal with that, you're like, okay. So, uh... I need to shift. I need right. something different. Right. Because what is it about me that keeps creating this? Say it one more time. What is it about me that keeps creating this? Exactly. Right. And there is the piece right there. And we circle it back to the beginning of our conversation where we talk about how difficult it is for people and how unwilling people are to do that work because it is hard work it's i say all the time life doesn't happen to you it happens through you and that doesn't mean that you are in control of every single thing but what you are in control of is how you perceive it and how you respond to it and so when you begin to see that these things are happening repeatedly and in cycles at what point do you say okay how am i participating in creating this what part of it is me like an example for me, and I'll give you guys just a little bit of insight in the work that I had to do in this area of relationships was that, so I had this fear of abandonment and this fear of abandonment, the way it was showing up in me was I was trying to create this version of myself that was so perfect that you could dare not leave. Mm. So I was like, oh, well, because I don't want to be abandoned, I will be perfect little miss, whatever it is I think you want me to be based on who you've told me you are and what you like or whatever, however, or whatever I could have made it up in my mind. I thought this is the kind of girl that's perfect and you can't possibly leave me. And of course I got left and cheated on and all the above. And so of course that's damaging because if you reject this perfect version of me that I created so that you couldn't leave me, you couldn't possibly like the actual Joy who got a gang of stuff she needs to work on. Mm-hmm. So that began to damage my whole um, thing even more because you're rejecting perfect joy. You couldn't dare like the regular joy who has stuff. And the more I tried to perfect this perfect version of me and the more it got rejected and dragged <laughs> in relationships, the, the, the more damage it did until ultimately I said, okay, well, that's not working. And instead of trying to create a perfect version of me, how about I perfect the actual version of me and not perfect it in a way that fits into a mold that I think whoever might like, but in a way that says, what can I, how can I be the best version of me with what I got? And starting to look at that abandonment, that fear of abandonment and saying, well, where did that come from? And, And how can I start to believe that who I am is enough without trying to create this version of myself that I think you may not want to leave? And that was a a hard thing for me because I had to examine, like I said, the abandonment issue, where it was coming from and why I had that and then why I didn't believe like I was enough and that I had to create this other version of me to make people want to like me because you can't possibly like regular joy. And so looking at my, you know, insecurities and my low self-esteem and just all of this, I had to look at all that. And that's hard. That's hard. That's really, really hard, particularly when everybody else's perception of you would never even would never even have guessed that you had all that going on. Right. Right. So, you know, that's, I'm taking that into my relationship. And so I'm literally charging at you or whoever this guy is that I'm dating to try to, 
Like, you ain't gonna leave me. And it's like, well, whoa, that's exactly what I'm getting ready to do with your crazy self. Right, right. Right? So it's like, how counterproductive was that? But having to realize that it was my fear of abandonment and not their whatever. They just don't know how to appreciate a good woman because I'm showing up and I'm doing all these things. And instead of looking at them and saying they can't appreciate all these things that I'm doing that I have, I had to understand that my drive for doing them was not about the love and affection that I had for them. It was about my fear of them leaving me. And that is what was driving them away, not any of the things that I was doing that they quote unquote couldn't appreciate. And what we focus on magnifies and we resist, persist. And so Mm -hmm. when you come from that, you just create more of that thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I've been there and and I get what you're saying with that, but really what we're talking about Mm -hmm. there is this story uh, that we have internally about us not being worthy of. Right. Not being enough, like you were saying. And so all of that comes from a place of immaturity, which is what, you know, the books talk about as well when you talk about maturity is the difference between seeking for approval Mm -hmm. and already knowing that you are enough. Right. 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 And and so, and that was to the other point that you were making with just men in the community looking and saying, okay, well, I got to get this car. I got to get this. The, the better girl, the better this, the better right. that. Mm-hmm. To feel the thing and, and, and all these things outside of who we are, mm-hmm. but empty on the inside. So empty. Empty so on the empty. inside. So we can't show up fully as a really, as a well-rounded uh, man right. because of we're concerned on the things that are going on outside of us. And you can't show up fully and you can't also can't receive fully. So then there's the other piece where even if I'm creating this perfect version of myself that you can't dare leave and you try to reciprocate or show me this love that I think I want from you because that's why I'm working so hard to be perfect for you. When you try to give it to me, I don't know how to receive that. Mm -hmm. So even if I work this hard to create this version of myself that I think you want and can't possibly leave, and then you respond to that in the way that I think I want you to, and so now you're so smitten by this version of me that I've created that you're like, yes, I want to do all these things, and you're trying to love on me in all these ways that I think I want you to. I I don't know what to do with that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I've spent too much time perfecting my craft of being whoever I think I need to be that I haven't figured out how to let you meet me where I am because I've been too busy trying to get to where you are to prove Mm -hmm. that I'm worth your love, worth your affection, worth your attention, worth your time, worth your investing of energy or whatever it requires to build the healthy relationship that I'm telling myself I want, but I'm Mm -hmm. working counterproductively against Mm -hmm. getting it so like whoa and again these are all these are this is like real stuff i'm telling y'all that i had to deal with and like i can say it now you know in retrospect laughingly or whatever but like when i was figuring it out all the ugly tears and snot oh yeah (laughs) it was it was like deep like come on dude all that stuff you went through was on you on some level now have to be clear the difference between fault and responsibility and i've gone through this a couple of times before but i do want to say i'm taking responsibility for the role that i had in creating those environments i'm not saying that it was my fault though 
that some of the things that these different men did in these relationships, that that is my fault. They chose to do what they were going to do. So I'm not owning what they did. I'm owning what I did and the hand I had and the experiences that I have had in my dating life. Not at all, because that was another part of my healing. I had to be able to tell myself, you. it started from this fear of abandonment. And, and so now I get to talk about, okay, this the, the root of this fear of abandonment and where it began. Let's think about this person who abandoned you and their stuff and let them have that. Let them have their stuff. You own your stuff. Because yeah. stop trying to sift through mm-hmm. and own all of it. Right. All of that ain't yours. Right, right. And to add to the perspective, because um, I, what I was hearing you say is in, in, in taking responsibility, one, mm-hmm. we get to live in responsibility. Right. As it's, it's going every on. Moment, as, as right? Exactly. Absolutely. Um, but then two, it's there's also the, the great possibility that what they did and how they chose had nothing to do with you. Exactly, and that's what I'm it's saying. It's not even in response to what you did. This is just... Them. But when that's a great, great point, because then it also gets to the place of when you do begin to get more comfortable owning your stuff and looking at situations, and I think it's especially important to do that throughout relationships and particularly at the end of relationships before you're entering a new one to kind of de- debrief, right? To say like, okay, what, 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 it, what went on there? Usually it's a collective thing that kind of goes on over time that eventually is like, you know what, I don't know about this. And so when you debrief and you kind of look at your role and their role and whatever, you do get more comfortable and you do become more clear about what if this was me and what if that was them? How much of that do I get to not even look at because that was just them. Like that was their stuff. It had nothing to do with me um, except that something in me attracted that person. That's the only part that I get to kind of look at and say, okay, you made those choices. And none of those choices had anything to do with me except that something in me attracted you. So what part of it is, what, especially if it's a type of person who keeps making the same mistake, like you keep getting cheated on, if you keep getting whatever, like none of the cheating, the actual act of cheating in whatever way you define that is on you. However, there is something about you that attracts that kind of person. That is your responsibility. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I can. I can definitely agree with that. Um, but then, but there's still so much at play, right? Oh, with us individually, mm-hmm. because my pastor, Pastor Albert Tate, mm-hmm. for um, Fellowship Monrovia, he says, "Come on, shout out Fellowship yeah, Monrovia." Yeah, I had to. Yeah. Yeah, come on, shout him uh, out. Yeah. So he said. Uh, he said. I, our hearts are all we all have hearts that are longing for something mm-hmm. but in our actuality we, we all have hands that are reaching for something else mm. so whatever our heart is longing for and then there's this 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 outward reach for something else to fill mm. that to fill that void mm. for what our heart is really really longing for mm-hmm. so what that looks like is yeah the guy may be sleeping with a lot of women but inside his heart is longing for connection and intimacy of course yeah right mm-hmm. and so and it's the same thing with maybe a woman and what what she's her heart is longing for mm-hmm. what she's reading for these these different relationships that are not really connected with what she really wants mm-hmm. and it's a process to really discover that and it's and it takes some courage to really go after that thing huge and um thank you for saying that 
because that's what it is. So many of us are afraid to tell the truth about what we actually want. And I think it goes back again to that guilt of admitting that you have desires because how dare I want something for myself that's for me, that's going to serve me and be good for me because there's this guilt of taking care of yourself. Right. And so saying, I want a partner who's going to be these things for me. And there's also the piece too that with saying that, sometimes that means admitting that you have um, shortcomings that you don't want to identify. Like to be able to say, I need a partner who can do X, Y, Z is on some level admitting because I can't. Right. Um, right. And that's hard too, particularly in this independent women age of I've got this, I don't need no, mm-hmm. I'm a th- 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 yeah, all right, keep on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, Again, like you said, there's so many things at play. Like, there's levels to this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, Absolutely. Levels to, there's levels to this. But, um, and we could, we could go on and on and on about it. And perhaps we will. Perhaps we'll have multiple episodes and we'll always come back. And like I said, we're always journeying. The Real Matters of the Heart is a place to come and be while you're still becoming. Mm-hmm. Right? So whoever you are right now, come and be with us. Come kick it. Come yeah. hang out. Come just be exactly that. Yeah. But also understanding that you're still becoming something. And mm-hmm. we are a community of people who want to talk about that, who want to share in that, who want to experience that, who want to support that, who want to check you when you mm-hmm. off the track yeah. of that or right, we right, know right. whatever all of the above right and so it's a place for you to come and be while you're still becoming and what a wonderful wonderful conversation we've had today i'm so incredibly thankful for your time and your input and a lot to think about and i've shared probably more than i intended to share but that's okay because i'm being while i could still become right? right before we go i do want to have you um because we jumped right in and i didn't really allow you to talk about all the things that you have going on and you do have a lot and i I appreciate all the things that you do not just in my life as a friend but in the community which is also very important to me and so i want you to just talk a little bit about that and then give out also wherever we can find you on social media your website and whatever other things you do and then we'll close like that okay cool well so some of the things that um, i'm working on now um online course called glimpse of greatness mm-hmm. glimpse of greatness and, and really the the thought about that is we've all been been given this this glimpse of, of greatness i don't believe that god has spoken to me like tyree this is what you're gonna do right i don't know if that's the voice you have <laughs> but, you know yeah you know what he might sound like that today and then tomorrow he might like sound like somebody else right you and know so, you never know Right, um, <laughs> but I believe that we've all been given a glimpse, like this, just just this open vision of like what's possible for us, mm-hmm. right? That is totally different, and is, is like a leap from the life that we're living in the now. Mm. And so, um, it would be too much if he gave us like this is all. Oh, your life hello! Is be. Like I'll probably pass out, right? But given he's oh yeah, and mess it up, right? Because I done done that, right. <laughs> And so he gives us this glimpse. I believe that we've all been given a glimpse. Oh, that's amazing. Of what our purpose is. Mm-hmm. And so really, um, we're going to journey with people in a seven-week course to unleash like what it looks like to be in process and, and to have the courage to embrace their glimpse and really mm-hmm. explore what that looks like mm-hmm. and really like investigate what this thing is and and get people to decide to to live that vision right live and live life on purpose 
And so, Come really on, excited y'all. about that. Get up on this. Really excited about that. And then I've been doing work since for 10 years, <laughs> focused around young men of color. And and uh, so I'm on a tour right now, mentor with um, a few of my colleagues and mm. a mutual friend, Javon yeah, Langford. Yeah. Um, he's a men's empowerment coach. And, uh, Shout out to doing, Javon, yes. who's going to be on the show soon. He don't know it yet, but he's he going to come on. I'll be on tour with him, um, with his Elevated Man tour Program, as which well. I love. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be in Toronto and Vancouver. Um, he's going to be in uh, Australia. He's going to be all over the place. So I got international so, friends. Just want to yes. just get your passport. Get your crew. Up. Get your crew together. <laughs> I mean, hello. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's going to be awesome. And then I'll be shooting with, um, behind the camera, that is, people, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, with the Steve Harvey Foundation, just blessed to be around this work in right. every way, yeah. shape, and form. And so I'm, I'm really excited. Really yeah, they say they say that uh, the universe will make room for your gifts mm-hmm. and create opportunities for you to walk in them. And so I, I do believe that. I do believe that God, once we submit ourselves to his vision for our lives, he really does just open doors. The work that we have to do is, is about our purpose and not about trying to find opportunities. I feel like God just literally will go, oh, okay, you finally doing what I called you to do? Okay, well. I've been waiting because I got this thing over here and this thing over here and this thing over here. That's phenomenal. I am I'm grateful and humbled and honored to be witnessing your journey and to be able to come alongside you in, in different ways and have you come alongside me in different ways as I am on my own journey. Make sure you give uh, your social media information so people want to follow you, yes. find you, get all that information from you. Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram at... Um, at Tyree Vance, T-Y-R-E-E-V-A-N-C-E. And then Facebook, you just type in Tyree Vance. It's like facebook.com forward slash Tyree Vance one. And, and my website is in the works right now. So yeah. yeah. All right. So thanks again for joining me today. And I hope that you all listening have gotten some true gold nuggets from uh this conversation I know that I certainly have a lot to think about and we will be coming back for a part two yes for sure all right y'all signing out until next time I will see you soon